Cobram Estate is the most awarded Australian extra virgin olive oil. Let it be the hero when entertaining family and friends. Cobram Estate extra virgin olive oil is fresh and full of flavour. Perfect for roasting, frying, baking, dressing salads and for dipping bread. Make your food taste even better with a little help from Cobram Estate. Premium quality, great tasting and a versatile healthy alternative. Buy in store at all major retailers. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freer versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. G'day guys, welcome back to Dylan Friends. This week, the amazing Becky Lucas, a talented Australian comedian on the show. I've been a big fan of Becky's for a long time. I've wanted to have her on the show for a chat and chat all things comedy in her life and what she's getting up to because it's uh, it's a seriously, seriously impressive uh, gig being a comedian. I feel like the job itself is, is one of the hardest jobs to do out there, consistently putting yourself out of the comfort zone, coming up with new content and and yeah, just being extremely difficult. I have a lot of respect for, for comedians and love uh, when the country's open to go and see comedy as much as I can um, and really looking forward to doing that as soon as we get out out of lockdown she's seriously funny she even opened up for Conan O'Brien and then did stand up on Conan O'Brien's live show in the US she's been all over the place she even does some film writing she wrote The Other Guys with Matt O'Kine as well as she's just written her own book Acknowledgements which is acknowledging all the people that have played massive roles in her life both positive and negative and it's an extremely funny read but also has some good life lessons in there so cannot wait for you to check this episode out Cannot thank Becky enough for coming on the show. But before we do, make sure you jump online and check out the new Dylan Friends merch. We've been out of stock for so long. Thank you so much for being so patient. Um, yeah, it honestly means the world and it's it supports the show so much and just keeps me allow, allowing to do this. And um, yeah, I really do appreciate it. There's nothing better than getting out on the weekend, picnicking and seeing someone rocking a Dylan Friends tee. It honestly, uh, no matter how many times I see it, which has probably been about seven um, it really does um, get me up and about. So, yeah, it's, it really does mean the world. I cannot thank you enough for all your love and support. It really, really does mean the world. So thank you so much. If you want to check it out, it's just on the website, dylanfriends.com. And, um, yeah, thank you, Illy. Let's go. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Welcome to the Dylan Friends podcast. Many ways, I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. Tears. 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 Strength. I'm like, I run. She's like, yeah. everyone runs. I'm like, but does everyone go to the Olympics? <laughs> They're sitting there meditating, going, oh my God, I think I'm meditating. How good is this? I'm meditating. It's like, I had a Wu Tang call. I was like, yo, Dylan, thanks for getting us in. Just love it's it. knuckle puck time. Yeah. It's like, it's like <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Becky Lucas, welcome to the Dylan Friend Podcast, my friends. It's an honor, pleasure, privilege to have you on the show. Oh, well, it's, it's my honor. You're you're the star here. You're the one, you know, I saw you on top shows on iTunes. Number one in the charts, number one in the hearts of Australian public is what I like to say. Yeah, it's amazing. So (laughs) really, I I owe owe you. No, no, not at all. Um, I've been wanting to get you on for a long time and have a chat about uh, your story because it's one that I I definitely love and I love all your work of what you've been able to do. But one thing I wanted to touch on, I was chatting with your incredible team 
um, who was teeing this up. You've got a team. Like, I don't have a team. I just do all the – like, you have, like, some team around you that really, you know, set your diary. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I'd love to get to that level one day. I mean, it's just two, two chicks. No, <laughs> two, don't undersell that. To call I, them a I team. Don't, yeah. I don't have anything. You've got a team. It's unbelievable. Shout out to Ella. She's doing some great things. Yes, she's great. <laughs> hey, you're doing incredible things. Um, you're a comedian. You're a comic. Um, I don't know which one to say out of those two. You're an actor, TV writer. You're an author as well, which we'll talk about your book today, which is which is unbelievable. Um, one thing I always have a question like for comedians, and I can imagine would be the most incredibly annoying question. And just by the way, you're just vaping at the moment, and I'm like so. <laughs> that is awesome. Sorry. That is cool. <laughs> I thought it was that kind of show. It yeah. is. No, so I love that ask, we're friends. I'll vape. <laughs> Yeah, we're just like friends. We're so yeah. friends at the moment. You're just vaping in my face. It feels yeah. incredible. Um, the worst question I can imagine getting asked as a comedian is like, do people like just expect you to be funny all the time? Um, I don't even know if they do expect it, but I certainly feel that if I'm not, there's a part of them being like, she's not actually funny. Like I can feel yeah. them making that judgment. And I'm like, well, let's. Like I, I can be funny if I choose to be, but like sometimes I don't want to be like I, I want to talk about something earnestly. Um, so you like the deep, you like the D and M's as well. Yeah, I love a D and M, but I, I, I don't know. I like I always like to have had one funny chat with someone to prove I can do it, and then I can chill. You've got off to a really good start. I think we've we've obviously acknowledged Still. that you're a comedian, um, and we're excited by that. Now yeah. I'd love to sort of just get a bit of. Um, a background on yourself before you've done all these awesome, awesome, cool things. Where did you grow up? What was your life like? Well, I actually grew up in Queensland. I'm a Queensland girl, which you can probably tell from my voice and general demeanour. What, what, <laughs> what makes you say that? I just think I've got a bit of a rank voice. Like it's a bit... I like your voice. It's cool. Thanks, Dill. Um, then why am I not charting in fucking podcasts? <laughs> What's wrong with me? <laughs> um, no, I, yeah, I grew up in a town that was, I've got this theory about how a town 40 minutes out of a major city is like the worst place. Do you know what I mean? You know, like if you keep it, like the city's pretty good and then country gets good again. But if you're 40 minutes out, that's the worst place. Have you seen the dry? No, I haven't. It's one of those like little things in your life you don't even realise until you hear someone say it, but I, th I hope we're on the same page here, is like when people say, and I, I'm not, I hope this isn't offensive to you because it sounds like this is what you, you've grown up with, but it's like you, you, you've got the worst of both worlds. So yeah. you're in the country but you're living in the city in the country? Is that yeah, what it is? pretty much. And I reckon it's because if you live 40 minutes out, it's close enough that you'll just go to the city for what you need so no one bothers to make that place good. It's just yep. shit. But if you <laughs> yeah. if you're like two hours away, then you make the effort to make that town better. Yeah, you know, like the pizzas are not there's ne there's not a worse pizza place forty minutes out because like city good pizza, country weirdly good pizza, forty minutes worse pizza. Yeah, I get that. And we one of my other shows we talk about a lot with pizza is like you can have good pizza and then you can have good shit pizza. Yeah, like I, I nearly classify them into two different cuisines. Like absolutely, one's wood fire, and it's like your Italian authentic. Then you've got your Pizza Hut, which again gets a bad rep, but sometimes you don't feel like the, the wood fire. Best pizza is pepperoni Domino's classic. It's the best fucking shit in the world. It tastes so good. Like you cannot tell me that is not good. 
I, I'm, I'm, look, so I don't, I don't, oh, we're already friends. I don't want you to hate me like so quickly into the podcast, but no, like, that's okay. Friends can have differences of opinion. That's what we need to, you know, all this division with coronavirus, we're all dividing up. We got to come together. So let's no, come I together agree. with different opinions. So when we catch up, we're going to have some Baileys and then you're going to order pepperoni. I'm going to have <laughs> And then we're going to get diarrhea. <laughs> diarrhea. I'm going to have a veggie. Um, I like the veggie supreme from Domino's and I get added extra garlic onto that. Okay, look, I like that too. Like that, I'm not, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I love, right. I like the veggie. But what, you don't, are you a vegetarian? I am, yeah. Oh, interesting. I wouldn't have Do you hate that. me? No, yeah, no, no, not at all. I just wouldn't have picked it. It's, what an interesting cross-section. I know it's like uh, in my life. I know you don't know a lot about the show, but let me just give you sort of like a quick rundown on me. Like stereotypically, you'd, if you didn't know me, you know I used to play um, AFL. You should you mm-hmm. should know that because I was a superstar. Yeah. Um, but everything you'd think a footballer <laughs> is is like the opposite to what I am. I'm very like weak. Um, I cry a lot, and Aww. like I like. Um, vegetarian food and people refer to me a lot as a piss ant so like you'd sort of <laughs> that's just a little bit of what i am um in one but that's why yeah i don't even know where i was going with that to be honest why do people call you a piss ant? oh i just get like really car sick all the time um okay. sort of like can't sleep with like people that are like snoring near me um just like those sort of yeah, little i'm things. gonna call you a pre-cum baby yeah no that's why <laughs> yeah. I, the, the longer my life goes on, the more I think I was 100% like not like like test tube or something like that. Not meant to be sure. here. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, and my eyes are really far apart too. Hey, let's stop talking about me. This no, is your interview. You're I'm a sorry. cutie. You're so no, cute. No, don't, 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 don't say that. That's, you, you're now just being mean. Now, no, um, comedian, <laughs> your transition from growing up in um, a great suburb in, in um, Brisbane, which we've just classified, sounds fantastic. Yes. How was the transition, like, wh- how did you, like, become a comedian? This is, like, a, a really weird question. Um, bear with me on this. But, like, how did you become a comedian? Was it something that you, like, grew up and you're like, okay, Becky's going to be a comedian, she's really funny? Or was it, like, did you have a job as, like, an accountant and then you are just like, fuck this, I'm going to be a comedian one day? Okay, well, what happens is um, for every comedian, you get a knock on the door and it's Jerry Seinfeld. And he says, <laughs> he says, kid, you got to do comedy, all right? It's been decided. <laughs> no, sorry. Um, I was like funny and I always liked comedy. Like my dad, um, you know, always played stand up on tapes and stuff and you know, if there was a, a comedian or whatever, we'd go and watch. But it, it was never something I aspired to. I, I wasn't like some people who do comedy. They're like, oh, you know, I always wanted to do it and blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, I liked it and stuff and I, I found it interesting. Like it was a good way to get information. Like I felt like stand-ups always have a strong opinion. So I was like, okay, I can understand that opinion through comedy. Like I enjoyed that. Um, and then... I I don't know like I think I I got I went traveling when like I was in my early 20s and I got back and I just had like a a, a feeling of like being able to do whatever I wanted or, or feeling like I had a real reckless nature about me and I, I, a couple of people I knew d- had, were doing stand-up or like it was in vaguely in my periphery and uh and I went and saw some stand-up and then I signed up to do it. So it's like kind of a boring, it's sort of boring. You just kind of get, you, you kind of like, oh, I can do that. And then you, you, you know, you have to take those steps to do it. And, um, and then you're just doing it. Then you kind of get sucked in, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think, I think you're definitely being modest with that. Cause, and 
and underselling how hard it is to be a comedian because I you know I've thought about this a lot I love people that you know can put themselves out there I think there's a real like um you know there's a real resilience that you need to not just be a comedian mm-hmm. but an actor and all these types of roles and, and even podcasting for that matter you know yeah. like you're, you're literally putting yourself out there to be judged so yeah you have to be like very okay with rejection and <laughs> humiliation in a way um but I think I don't know being a stand-up it's like yeah you have to be okay with getting up in front of people and and sort of failing and doing it publicly like stand-up isn't something you know if you're a guitarist you could sit in your room privately and practice guitar for hours and then one day just come out and be like (laughs) but if you're a comedian it's like you have to do all your learning publicly and sometimes it it's really good and it works but a lot of the time it doesn't work and you have to be okay with that and I think people are a bit addicted to pain like if you're addicted to the the emotion of like failure and feeling shit about yourself it's a pretty it's a good option I I love that I think that (laughs) it's definitely in the sense of like one thing that you know a former coach used to say to me a lot was you got to get comfortable being uncomfortable and I think that when you get in that mindset you you sort of actually get yeah you get addicted to putting yourself out of your comfort zone I suppose and keep pushing those boundaries and feeling shit about yourself but then growing from it totally and I also think it's like you start to realize that you know your your ideas are separate to you or like what you do there it's not like I think some comedians it's like they let it dictate their whole life like I did badly so I suck and I used to have that but now I'm like well, what I did there is not me. Like what I did on stage or if it worked or didn't work, you know, I'm still me. I'm, I am still like have a, a life and friends and family and like, you know, I'm a person and I might, <laughs> my persona or what I said on stage might have been rejected by an audience, but that's not me. You know, like I'd say it's a good way it. to be able to separate the ideas from the person and I think that's really so I, I like being not married to things that I say or whatever all the time. Like it's a separate thing. Definitely. I think one thing that you mentioned in that that resonates with me was like separating the person from the persona. So like, you know, Becky Lucas of the person versus who you are on stage are two different people. Yeah. And I might, yeah, I might say something that it's like people don't like and I'm like, hey, I might not like it next week either. I was just trying it out. And yeah. like, Isn't that you know, scary though? Oh, yeah, because there's people that hate me. Like there's people that are like, she said and then this is who she is. And I'm like, oh. I might have used to care that someone thinks that way, but I'm like, I know that I'm not that. I might have, like, said the wrong thing, but that's not who I am. And, I mean, I'm sure when you were playing, you were like, people hated you or didn't based on this thing that you that you did, but you're that's not you. Mm. Well, it's scary being in this day and age too where, like, you know, especially for you, um, I'm not trying to worry here, but me, you know, in this podcast, like, we, this day and age, we have so many sleuths that it's like if you fucked up and you said one thing, you know, 10 years ago or in your first or second episode or your first stand-up show, people go back and yeah. find it and you're like, fuck, like that was, you know, yes, I fucked up. That was a long time ago. Like that's the biggest thing that scares me with like online things. I'm always just like, oh, my God, how is this going to be received? But yeah. you've just got to, yeah, I think own it and just be like, yeah, fuck, like that was what it was. So it is, it is hard being a comedian. And the worst thing about being a comedian is it's like you've got to, toe that line all the time because you don't want to just get up and talk about stuff that doesn't there's no point of view so you're always towing this line and when you get it right you're celebrated and then if you just get one thing wrong like everyone hates you and it's like 
it, it's crazy. People are angrier at comedians for saying the wrong thing than they are at some politician who's just defunded like Aboriginal legal services or whatever. Like the, the, the rage people feel for words as opposed to actions is insane. Comedy for Dummies 101. Sorry for their shit questions. Um, bombing on stage. Is that a thing? Like has that happened to you? Any experience in this? Um, <laughs> yeah. I imagine it'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, bombing happens all the time to every like all comedians and it never really stops. Like your, your worst gets better. Like sometimes I'll get off stage now and be like, oh, fuck, I fucking bombed. And a newer comedian will be like, what? That, that seemed like it was really good because your standard gets higher and higher. But you can still eat it pretty hard. Like, you know, you might have like the – you. It, it does get harder to bomb as you get better because, you you know, you can kind of always fall back on an old joke or you can like figure out how to get the crowd back on your side or whatever. Um, like when you're first starting out, the bombs are so insane because you've got, you're so nervous and you've just got your sort of jokes in your head and you haven't got enough experience or material to like fix the problem. So you'll just be in this set and no one's laughing and you're like, well, strap in because there's five, five more <laughs> minutes and I don't know what else to do. Um, like I've had some shocking, I remember bombing at an RSL once, like a packed RSL theatre, 500 people and it might have been in Coffs Harbour or something and it was just like, you, it was silence. Yeah, I could hear I could hear people opening their drinks. And just, oh <laughs> it was God. so bad. What, what are some of those fallback like gags? Like I could imagine, you know, I've seen um, a lot of your live content, how quick and witty you are. Like what is, do you have like a go-to fallback gag that you could just throw in people's face? Because I can imagine just the like shut the fuck up back at someone or something like that just gets back back into the No, but the worst the thing is like if you're bombing and then you tell someone to shut the fuck up, the crowd's like, you shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell him to shut up. He's one of us. We hate you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's kind of hard to, to, I, I, I don't have like a, a gag in my pocket right now, but you know, now you can kind of like, now I have the skills where I can like do a crumble and I'm like, you guys hate me. And then like, you can kind of get a few laughs of, and hopefully get going with something else. But, um, but yeah, oh, those, those bombs, there's nothing like it. You feel like, you feel like you can't move, like the world, you feel like you're sinking into the stage. It's, it, it's a really unique feeling. Um so shameful it, it's it's crazy like you can really be a hero you can walk off stage feeling like a hero and you can walk off feeling like the biggest loser but what about hecklers have you had any rippers in your time that have really tried to get up in your face yeah hecklers the worst hecklers are pretty easy to deal with because you're in a pretty heightened state up up on stage you know like you've got the microphone you're probably not drunk um and you do, yeah, you're, like, hyper-focused. So often hecklers, like, a, a heckler is much easier to deal with than people realise. The worst heckle is when someone's just, like, a middle-aged woman being supportive. That's the worst. That's actually the worst. So they're like, <laughs> we love you, darling, because you're, like, they're disrupting it, but they're not being a cunt. So you can't you can't go at them really hard, but they'll, they'll kind of be persistently, like... A woman in her 50s that's had three white wines is the worst heckler because <laughs> she's just, yeah, she's so supportive and she'll never let up. 
<laughs> love that. That's a shout out to all the Karens out there. We love we love them and they, they make Australia great. Um, yeah. <laughs> in terms of shows, like a comedy show now we've done with those um, one-on-one questions, that was for the fans who didn't know. How do you put a show together? Like, I can imagine there's just so much work that goes into putting a body of work into, you know, what you'll go on then tour. And yeah. how many times do you have to, like, workshop it? Do you have people that you're, like, going around, like, that you have friends that you're like, you know, is this joke funny? Do you go and do it at, like, a smaller crowd? Is that how it works? Yeah, it's something that you de- you learn as you go along. Like, um, like I remember uh, th- thinking all these questions. So you, you sort of like write you'll you'll write some jokes and then yeah, you try them out at smaller rooms. Like uh, you will write with some comedian friends and maybe ask if they think it's funny and uh, you know slip it into combo every now and then see if it gets a reaction. <laughs> but that's what I generally do is sort of write and then. Um, and then take it to smaller rooms and then once you've figured out if it's working and, like, you, you're always tinkering with the joke to make it better and then, yeah, you would try it in a bigger room, see if it works because that's the thing, like, a joke can work in a small room with a bunch of people and then you take it to a bigger room in a different town and it doesn't work. So it's a constant sort of figuring out how to make it work, um, broadly speaking, and then... Yeah, and then that that becomes your new bit and you kind of like have old bits and you bring in the new stuff sandwiched in between old and then it's like a constant, yeah. (laughs) And then when you put a show together, you just put it all kind of together and some people like to have a a thread through their show where they pretend something happened that it didn't. And with that, like, you can then just go, like, randomise stuff as well, can't you? Like, a lot of your work I've seen, it's sort of like you talk about something, move on to other things. Yeah, I, I I tend to not, like, do shows that are themed or whatever. I just kind of, I'm like, here's stuff that's been funny that I've been writing for a year. And, you know, that's that's it annoys me because there's other people who, like, write a show and then everyone's like, it's brilliant, you know, it had a beginning, middle and end. And I'm like, yeah, but what about I've been fucking trying this stuff out, knowing that it's funny, like, working clubs. And for some reason, if you make people laugh, for an hour, it's not seen as artistic. <laughs> They're like, you know, it didn't have a sad ending. <laughs> I love that. That's right. But, yeah, that's kind of how – I mean, everyone has a different uh, process. Some people just write it, write a whole thing and then try it out again and again. But I like to try out little chunks and make sure it's sort of all pretty funny. <laughs> and that you do well, my friend. And um, Thanks, one Jill. person that you're friends with, um, besides me now, is – Conan O'Brien, that's like massive. You you <laughs> yeah. went on his. Am I right to say you went on his show? It was just in the states. Like, how, yeah. How did this, and then you opened for him at one of his shows in Australia as well. Like, there's a pretty close friendship here. How'd this all come about? <laughs> I mean, friendship is um is stretching it, but sure. Um, it was so cool. So it actually happened in reverse. He was doing a just one show here, um, and I was lucky enough to get picked to open for him which was mad, like loved it. It was so much fun. And he was great, you know, like I don't know if you've met many of your heroes, but they often suck. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, like no one disappoints you more like a hero. Um, but he was great, like so silly backstage, um, but, you know, also genuine and just a, a really nice guy. And a couple of months after that, my agent talked to the booker of the show and they like liked what I did. And so I got to go and do a show and it was the best, man. It was so, it was such a pinnacle of my life. (laughs) 
you know, it was like the whole Hollywood thing, like got picked up in a limo, like drove through the big white gates at the studio. And um, yeah, it was, it was really cool. If there's one thing I know about, it's clangers. Unfortunately, I was always biting off more than I could chew, thinking it's on when it's definitely not, ripping that 45, giving it a crack, and often it was an absolute disaster. The good news is if your local club has had a recent clanger or challenge, then you can win up to $15,000 through the Amy Clangers for Good competition. In 100 words or less, tell us how Amy can help your club bounce back from a recent challenge. Enter now at amy.com dot au forward slash clangers for good that's amy.com.au forward slash clangers for good t's and c's apply ko's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play afl here we go carlton versus melbourne with no ad breaks during play that is going to be an absolute banger last time these two uh, got together well not the last time when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must-win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences, live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. Is there like a, a thing in comedy where when you open for someone, you're not meant to like go too well? Is that actually like a fact? Like you're not meant to like steal the crowd so it's hard? Is that like actually a, a rule? <laughs> I, mean, I don't think I was ever going to steal the crowd from Conan. Um, it's nice that you think that's a possibility. <laughs> nah, I mean, nah, you just do your best, you know. I mean, and and generally you're not going to be better than because all those people are there to see that person like they love them so much you're you're just probably never going to go better than them so you you do your best to like g everyone up and um you know if the person you're opening for is a class act they like give you a shout out and it's nice I think it's like a way for them to also feel a bit like hey like here's a new person I'm bringing them up because yeah I guess that's kind of the best thing about being able to give someone else a little opportunity is always fun. Is that prevalent in, in the comedy industry? Like, do is it more or less like people get along and, and you sort of big each other up or is there a side of like the industry that there is a few like wankers in, in there everywhere? Man, I hate so many people in comedy, but I also, <laughs> <laughs> but I also love, like I met some of the best people, best friends, like really I have a great time a lot of the time with, with the friends I've met in comedy, we, you know, so, so many laughs, such good people. And you just find your own little click, you know. Uh, and so there is a lot of people getting along and, and it can be really heartwarming, you know, sometimes. Like it is everyone in comedy, it doesn't matter. Someone can be like, you know, a lot of people say comedians are fucked up, but I'm fine. And then I talk to them for 10 minutes and I'm like, oh, yeah. And I'll always find something bad that's happened to them in their life. Like... <laughs> It's, just, it's a group of people that are, have had something weird or kind of traumatic happen and they end up in this weird industry. And so there's always a little bit of um, camaraderie. You know, there's always something that brings you back together as people. <laughs> a desperate desire to be liked. Is that like when you say that, like, do you think people that have been through com- – uh, that are in comedy, sorry, that like when you say traumatic things that – because they've probably been through something traumatic, they can then see the world in like this fucked up, funny light where they can make jokes about yeah. things that other people wouldn't necessarily find funny. 
Totally. I mean, it's just a defense mechanism, you know, like if you can detach from a situation and see it in a funny way, then it doesn't hurt you as much. Like there is, you know, there, there is some, there's a power in being a little bit cynically a, a detached from something, like not getting swept up in something that might be hurtful or, or whatever, because you're, you're able to see the funny side of it. Um, and I get annoyed when people like, yeah, get angry at comics for making jokes about stuff. It's like, well, you know, that's because part of their personality is, has been informed by, you know, maybe some pain or, or trauma or whatever. So that's just how we, that's how we process things sometimes is, is making jokes of it. And that's, I think, valid. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I, I, I agree. Like my mm. defense mechanism straight away is to just like, whenever I feel embarrassed or like nervous, you just take the piss out of yourself and it just takes yeah. off the situation of what you are. And it can just, yeah, it can be a yeah. very good defense mechanism i've always found like my mates that you know you got those friends that just like can't take a joke like oh, when it's on so themselves funny. and you're just yeah. like what the f- mate like we're not it's like man you're making attacking. it worse <laughs> you're making it worse literally just yeah. just go with it it's like people that like hate nicknames it's like if you just embrace that nickname no one's ever going to call you that again it- totally when they f- yeah we used to have a friend we called weed because he was always popping up places we didn't want him <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine he would have taken that one too well. But it's like just, yeah, just go with it. But then you don't want to go with it too much. Like you don't want to be like, ha, oh, it's like stop trying to own it. Yeah. It was a sweet spot. <laughs> you mentioned yeah. just before something that like sprang to mind. And, again, I read into things. I'm very curious. Um, I, I watch a lot of like I love Bo Burnham. Um, I don't you know yeah. Bo Burnham, like YouTube I do. Um, guy. I love YouTube guy, Bo Burnham. And he speaks a lot about like that highs and lows of being a comedian and speaks about like the, pre- the like the prevalence of, um, you know, I suppose we, we mentioned before, but like se- separating the person from persona, you're on a massive high because you've, you, you're giving people so much joy. But then after the stage, you're like, fuck, am I always, you know, giving? And he sort of speaks about how prevalent, like being on top of your mental health is in mm-hmm. comedians. Like it, a lot of ment- comedians do, you know, have to be on top of it because it is such an up and down career. Um, not personally asking you know about yourself but what's your thoughts on that in terms of an industry and and people in comedy and and what they face like off the off the stage I suppose I mean it's like there's so many comedians who are so aware of it that that um that they've got great mental health because they're like constantly analyzing and and figuring out how they are and how they're feeling like I think there's a lot of dudes who all and women that are mentally ill but they're just like anyway back to work blah 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 life goes on like they're not in tune with it and like sometimes I think comics I mean maybe we spend too much time thinking about our mental health and that can't help the situation as well like my dad my dad's always like ah just go and lie in a field and look at the sun <laughs> that's how <laughs> he deals with men yeah like there I, I mean I think there is there is something to it in like um I think the urge to want to do stand up means that there's something not quite right about you because you're you're seeking validation, you know. And so once you set yourself on this path of seeking validation um, constantly from outside sources, that's not going to do yourselves yourself any favors. Um, so yeah, you do have to be like aware. Like, am I? You know, what other things bring me joy? Like, can I do something nice with my friends or? Can I read a book or like feel, you know, um, instead of trying to, you know, trying to post something funny online. Like I see, sometimes I see comedians and it's like, they're clearly having a mental breakdown. And the first thing they do is like go live. I'm like, don't go live, bro, don't don't go live. (laughs) They're like looking for this immediate hit of, um, 
of dopamine and it's, yeah, it's not good. Yeah, I've got the 24-hour rule. When something like that happens, I just have to give myself at least 24 hours before I do anything about it because yeah. pure anxiety until uh, the levels settle down. I've always found drinking water helps. Um, it's a tip. I don't know. A lot of people say it, but try it out. Drinking maybe. water? Yeah, it's really good for you apparently. I'm trying um, to cut down personally. Yeah, it's a new thing. <laughs> it's a new thing. Um, besides comedy, so much going on in your life. Um, I didn't actually know this until we, we were doing a bit of research on yourself, but you actually co-wrote – the other guy, which is the series on Stan. Yes, I did, yeah. That's with, with Matt O'Kine? O- o- uh-huh. Yeah, that's yeah. an awesome – I've seen that. That's awesome. Oh, it's really, cool. really good. Yeah, really good series. What was it like? Like how, how do you even start writing a show? Like I wouldn't even imagine how that even works. Well, I, I, I mean I've known – actually Matt O'Kine booked my first gig for me because I, I went – we had – my best friend's brother was his best friend, so I knew Matt growing up a little bit and – um. He, I told him that I wanted to do stand up, and he uh, actually booked me in to do my first gig. Unbelievable! Um, I guess like it was his story, and he just needed someone to. I, I had a little bit of writing experience. I worked on Josh Thomas's show too. Please like me. Um, so I had a bit of writing experience, and so yeah, he just. I think he put my name forward, and the pro- producers got me on board with that. But it's it is it's yeah writing a show how do you start I don't know you kind of just like plot it all out and then you just begin. Really. <laughs> That's just, I love it. It's the same simple. I might go do one later. Um, yeah, now you could do it. Yeah, I don't know. You can even I, just call it Dylan Friends, the yeah. TV show. Okay, watch this space. We'll see what happens. Let's talk about your book that you've written, um, which is unreal. That's so cool. Like I feel like out of ten coolness. Like when you're like before you wrote the book, what were you out of ten coolness? Do you think out of ten? Man, man, you can't ask me that. Come on, just you want me friends. to rate my own coolness? Rate I mean, the very coolness. nature of that is not cool. No, it is. Trust me, it's because cool if I say cool, it's like shut up. This <laughs> bitch has got tickets on herself. All right, I'll, I'll say just just at like a normal person writes a book. I reckon they're like say like a seven out of ten. I reckon okay. once you, you write a book, you go to an eight and a half, like massively. Like okay. I reckon it's one point five coolness. That's an interesting. Like, that's Scale. interesting that you yeah. think that. Yeah, well, that's. There's, but there's some pretty uncool people that have written books. I mean, Hitler, for one, he wrote a book. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, there's your scoop, guys. Dill yeah. from Dylan Friends thinks Hitler is eight and a half out of ten cool. There you go, there's your grab. News.com.au. Let's go. I didn't, didn't think that one through um, <laughs> as best as I should have. I, yeah, let's. Nah, I got you, yeah. mate. You're done. Thank you. You're yeah, done. Yeah, I know. Cancel culture. Um, so, your book, Acknowledgement. Which is such a smart concept. It's very funny because basically it's a book of it's a book of acknowledgements, which is in a book itself. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just explaining the joke to myself because I, I do really enjoy it. And Thank it's you. literally like you've talking about people you've met or experience you've had through your life that have impacted you both positively and negatively. Um, how did you get the idea of this? I just thought it'd be funny. I mean, I initially was just going to write a really long like thank you to chicken magic noodles like i also want to thank um dexies i'd love to thank you know having two beers on a sunday like i thought that would be quite fine but it, it would be a little a little much i think for a whole book but i was like i do like that idea of um of making it because you know in the acknowledgements yeah people will thank someone i guess who like supported them or get you know help them with ideas and stuff but i was like i guess to write a whole book it, it's like stuff had to happen to you in your life to write about. So I'll just dedicate the, the book to that, which I thought was kind of fun. 
it it's is really fun. just a device to tell the stories I want to tell. <laughs> what is your favourite, maybe if you are happy to, to share some of the book, like what's one of your favourite um, chapters or inserts from the story? I've got one that I really like, but I'll, I wanted you to pick your first one first. I mean, my, one of my favourite ones is is the, there was one about my friend's dad who um, would write in his diary. So he had really badly behaved kids who was who I was friends with. And um, he started seeing a child psychologist or like behavioural therapist about how naughty his kids were. And he, like they bullied him so hard. It was crazy. And that, like they were, it was, you'd go over there and they were bullying their dad and you just kind of get in on it because it was <laughs> just what was on offer. Um, and he got this diary to try and like, I guess, record what they were doing to then take it back to the therapist. But we found the diary. So like. <laughs> Oh, one so day sad. there was just <laughs> I know like it was all it was so bad like it was just like 4 24 p.m ask Terrence to do the dishes his response get fucked <laughs> and then like 6 30 p.m told Stan to feed the cats he farted and ran off oh poor dad it was the best and then we just flipped ahead and then wrote all fake entries like 8.30 p.m., oh, my God, I've got the worst diarrhea. I'm going to shit. Yeah, so it just became a new device for which they could bully him. Yeah, and that was, I think the acknowledgement was just like thanks to he, to my friend's dad for reminding me to never write things down if you don't want them to be found. That's seriously, diaries are dead. I, I, yeah. I put locks on all my notes. They're like fingerprinted so no one can get into them. Man, it's so embarrassing. Comedians often have like a notebook that you write down ideas and it makes sense to you, but if someone else reads it, it sounds like insane ramblings of a, an insane person. And I've left my diary or like my little notebook and it's mortifying to think of people going through and reading, you know, half-baked ideas. It's so scary. Yeah, let's it. let's definitely stick to that, stick on, <laughs> on digital. Um, yeah. Another two inserts that I love was one was the $500 gig at the Mexican restaurant. Oh, yeah, brutal. Can you tell us this one is, this is unbelievable. This Mexican chain restaurant, I, I used to not say the name, but fuck it, I'll just, I'll just do it. It was Zambrero's and, and they had, uh, an agency had approached them with this big idea that they were going to get a comedian in every single store on this one day and it was going to like raise all this, because it, it was for a good cause. It was like on that particular day they were getting comedians. It was too much information. It's like comedians were going to come and do a gig at every Zambrero store and on that particular day, every single burrito or bowl that was purchased, a meal would be bought for people in need. Um, so they thought it was going to like go crazy, like there was going to be heaps of press, but no one really cared and there weren't enough comedians to kind of go around. So they were like I got offered this gig up in like Gladstone. Was it Gladstone? Yeah. It was like North Queensland. So I got flown there and I had not been doing comedy very long at this point, didn't have enough material. And I get there and the lady picks me up and she's had, so everywhere else, all the other comedians were telling me like, oh, the gigs are being canceled. No one prepared for it. Like they were turning up and just kind of getting paid the money and then getting told to just go home, don't worry about it. But I went to Cladston and they really got psyched for me to perform at their Zimbaros. And I thought it might be a restaurant. Like I thought it would be a sit-in Zamburos. But when we got there, 
Um, so I got picked up by a woman called Trish, this woman in her 50s, and she had her face painted like a tiger because they, oh, they, they were so excited about the big day. They'd gotten a face painter in. They got balloons. But it was inside of a, um, a shopping centre. So it was like Terry White Chemist, um, Zombreros, and then McDonald's. And it was a deserted kind of food court. There was like some guys in high vis, a mum and her kid. It was crazy. And I had to do 10 minutes of comedy. It was the worst. Like, and I, they gave me a little microphone on a trundle, like it was attached to a speaker. And I had to like weave my way through these people. No one wanted me to perform. And I had to get up and like the first joke, it was too rude. Like this woman was covering her kids' ears. People were walking past, shaking their head. And then after two minutes, uh, the lady just went, I think that's enough, love. Oh, no. We might stop it there. And so the drive to to Zombreros, to the shopping centre, was pretty awkward, but the drive back to the airport was worse. And the worst thing was her face was still painted like a tiger. <laughs> so she had, she was just this really disappointed tiger and the whole way on the trip back, she's like, you'll get there, love, you know, and then, and then she just started listing other comedians who are better. She's like, you know who did come here? Kitty Flanagan. Carl, Carl Barron, he came through. He's funny. <laughs> He's oh, that yeah, is the definition of, the, of uncomfortable. Man, it was, it was really one of the worst times of, of my life, yeah. Yes, I can but, imagine. But that's the best thing about comedy is you, you, you suffer these huge embarrassments. But life goes on, you know. It's not like someone takes you around the back and shoots you in the head. Like there's no real consequences. That's you kind of, that it's, it's quite freeing. Yeah, it's quite freeing. You're like, what else? No one can get to me. I, yeah. I, I've been shamed too much. You can't, you cannot possibly hurt me. Yes, the shark skin, I think it is. Uh, you you yeah. definitely would, would gather it. Um, another one that sort of hit home with me and I suppose the audience in this because there will definitely be really prevalent in, in some people that listen to the show. They might know someone like this, but it's the thank you to sport and it's the, oh, the, yeah, at, yeah, at yeah. the MCG with a couple of the private school boys. Now, it sort of brought back memories um, and I'll let you tell a story, but I in this story, I'm the guy that wants to take the piss um, and mm. I want to go to the toilet and my friends aren't letting me. But w the difference between my friendship group and the group you're talking about is we weren't rich. We were just like the real poor kids that were – we're doing this so um yeah it was it, it sort of hit home on a few levels so i was in the members box because a friend had weirdly got tickets through someone what game's this what game was it yeah it was nrl it might have been roosters and rabbitos yeah, yeah. so rabbitos, classic yeah nice yeah Good. i don't really follow you, you're just saying that to impress me well i lived in sydney you know for two it's years. the right team to say <laughs> well, i didn't i knew 100 percent. i lived in sydney for two years and i lived in paddington and I, that's a quite of a you know that's a roosters area. area and everyone was like you gotta go for the roosters i was like no i'm going for the rapitos because i watched bra boys when i was younger and johnny sutton <laughs> yeah. played for the, them and i like yeah. them yeah yeah it, it speaks volumes if you go for roosters over rapidos thank it's you like, all right but anyway so it was like a group of just private school young guys, those sorts of guys like, you know, wearing puffer vests. They want to look like their dad. <laughs> and they're all like, you know, no, none of them could do anything without getting called a pussy. It was so funny. Like there was just these two because you could, you could see just the regular general seating like next to members seating. 
And there's just these two, like, Islander boys with their dad looking over, like, at these fucking gooses. And you can just see them being like, fuck, if we ever did that, like, we'd get a hiding. Like, you fucking fucks. Um, but <laughs> there was just a bunch of them. And they were so, like, that. they were all so scared of getting called a pussy. And, like, one of them would do one little thing and they're like, oh, she's a fucking pussy, a fucking pussy. And, like just so entitled, like, throwing drinks in the air. Like, one landed on some poor, like, older man. Like, yeah, just acting way too tough for where they were and, like, very entitled. And it was so funny watching watching them try not to, like, do anything wrong. And then one of their team scored a, like, Rooster scored a, a try and um, they all went crazy and they were like, yeah, fucking, like, because they're all trying to be really manly. And they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then this one guy was like, yeah. And he ended up squealing. <laughs> he ended up squealing. <laughs> like trying try to be so manly that he went up into being the, the girliest sound you could ever hear. Uh, and, yeah, you could just see him being like, oh, I've fucked up here. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've felt that one a fair bit. Um, but, yeah, definitely there's so many incredible stories in there. Um, it's available now on, on Booktopia. Can we get it in store as well? I don't, I don't even know. We're not really allowed to go outside here in Victoria, but I'm, I think the rest of Australia is allowed to go outside, so that's available. You can get it in store, you can get it online, you can get it on Kindle, you can get it on audiobook. Some people are enjoying listening to it, um, which I don't know why I hate my voice, but some people, they're a glutton for punishment. You read, so, because with this, when you write it, like, did you have to read the whole thing and record it? Like, is that how those work? I did. I had yeah. to Was that hard? I had to, yeah, and I'd also done MDMA the weekend before. <laughs> so well, I yeah, I like, can imagine that would be pretty hard. <laughs> it was really hard to, I had to really dig deep. Uh, I was I was having the Tuesday blues, and I was like, "All right, here we go, comedy." Because <laughs> with those books as well, don't you like when you have to like literally get a whole sentence out? If you stuff up a sentence, you have to start all the way again. So you they're quite big bits that you have to get right. Yeah, it was so annoying. Like, yeah, you, you couldn't make a single mistake. So your whole time, you're like, "Don't fuck up, don't fuck up," because as soon as you do, the sound guy's like, "All right, do it again." So you're just trying to avoid. All right, do it again. <laughs> The underlying thing about this book too that I wanted to say, and I hope this, I know this was a part of the plan, but that all these stories and all these um, things that you talk about, um, they are positive, negative, but I think the best thing about them is that you learn from them and that's like you've used them in your life later yeah. on growing up. And one thing I love, because I think people always say like, you know, this really cool thing happened to me and it changed my life. Like I'm a really big believer in like the worst things that happened to me in my life are the best things for me like later on. Yeah, So that, that was something sure. as well with a book. Like a lot of your negative experiences, you look back with comedy, that's how you've dealt with them. But then later on you've actually found that's had a massive impact. Yeah, for sure. Like and I mean they always say that. Like you learn more, like you want things to go well. And I mean that's the very, like the premise of comedy I guess like when a gig goes well, it feels really good. But when a gig goes badly, you learn so much more from it. Like you, you know, you're like, okay, I've seen that, how that can go. I've seen that situation. And now I know how to deal with it the next time. So yeah, I think it's just important for people to, you know, when something bad happens, I know it really sucks in the moment. And it's really annoying when someone tells you that, oh, well, you'll, you'll learn, but you do. And, and you, the things that, most agitated me or most got under my skin you know I don't feel that way anymore now they're just some a, a different a different way to like connect with someone you know it gives you more empathy it gives you more compassion like every time something bad happens to you it's like oh well that's a new feeling I have and that's a new way I can understand the world so 
it was, yeah, there was a little nod to that in the book, I hope, that comes through. So I'm glad you said that. Nice. Definitely does. Definitely does. Um, Becky, you've done such incredible things. I always finish on this. What's next for you? Oh, I don't know, man. I just got a new cat. So. <laughs> cat girl. Cool. Yeah, I was never cat a cat scamming. girl. Yeah, I was never, like, honestly, I, even when I say cat, I feel like I always have to tell people, like, don't worry. I was never, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> but it's cute, man. It's a little kitten. So I'll probably just play with that for a bit. <laughs> awesome. That's really, uh, no, I don't uh, know. I yeah, that. career-wise, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah. Well, I mean, there was an earthquake today, so. That was in Victoria. It was very that cool. That was in I was Victoria. The only person who didn't feel it. So, what's next mm. for you? Earthquakes. Um, earthquakes on the comedy scene. Am I right? Yeah. You're going to be causing them. Go yeah, you. some little tremors. <laughs> you did it. A little joke. No, I didn't want to do any jokes today because you're the joker. And <laughs> oh. I just thought I'd just try and finish on one at the end. No, um, I loved it. Becky, thank you so much today. Like, honestly, I can't thank you enough for your time. Oh, thank you, Dill. I cannot wait to, um, yeah, hopefully when everything's up and running again, I can get to one of your shows in, in Melbourne or, or Hell Sydney. Hell yeah. That'd be great. We'll, so, we'll grab yeah. a uh, we'll grab a, uh, a not pint. What, what's it? Is it a we'll grab No, we'll grab a pint of Bailey's. We'll grab a pint of Bailey's and then we'll yeah. spew. <laughs> and that'll, that will make us friends. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Becky Lucas. Thanks, Dill. If that wasn't enough for you and you want even more, you're in luck. Dylan Friends is now on Patreon. Dylan Best Friends. If you'd like to learn more, you can head to patreon.com forward slash Dylan Friends or you can head to the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends podcast. If you like the show, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, leave a review or even share with your friends. The show is produced by myself and Sam Bonza. Damon Jackman from Creative Edge Films is responsible for audio and visual production. The show is recorded at the Dylan Friends Studio in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch or suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends podcast, please email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble.